Uh, so let's sing together. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through the Son. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, oh, you are my portion, you are my hiding place, oh, I believe you are. See this, we continue worship through baptism. Good morning. It's a joy to share in baptism this morning. We have a brother and a sister being baptized. This is Thomas and Annabelle Key, and they are the children of Eric and Abby Key, and um, they. Uh, accepted Christ as their Savior at home. Their parents led them to the Lord. They've been through our new member class for children and talked with the 
Megan Clayton. And so now come to the culmination of that and their confession and the baptism, their faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're so proud of them. If you are uh, family or friends of Thomas and Annabelle, would you please stand in their honor right now? Great. We're glad you're here. Thanks for coming for this special event in their lives. First of all, this is Thomas. Thomas is a fourth grader. Thomas, will you confess before your family and friends, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. On your confession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Annabelle Keith. Annabelle's a third grader. Annabelle, will you confess before these people, Jesus is Lord. On your confession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we want to welcome you this morning to First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning to worship. And listen, if you're a guest, we're especially glad that you're here. We believe that every Sunday is someone's first Sunday. And so if this is your first time here, we want to get to know you. And one of the ways that we do that is through the guest registration card that's located there in the pew rack. If you could just take that and fill it out for us this morning. Uh, there's a spot if you want to receive our weekly newsletter. This is a way you can get information about us. And then there's a spot if you have a prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. Later on in our service, when we take up our offering, uh, you just put that in the offering plate, and that's our mechanism to get that back from you this morning. So um, our pastor is going to give us the policy here in a moment for the coronavirus. We're all aware of uh, how this has been affecting our community and really the entire world. So he's going to share our policy here in just a moment uh, later on in the service. But our president, President Trump, has asked us to pray. SBC leaders have asked us to pray. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment right now in our service. And I want to lead us in prayer, but as I pray, I'm asking you to pray. Let's take a moment to pray for this, this moment together. Jesus, during your ministry here on earth, you showed your power in caring by healing people of all ages and stages of life. We ask that you would be present now to people who need your loving touch because of COVID-19. May they feel your power of healing through the care of doctors and nurses, Father. But may you supernaturally heal as well. Father, we ask that you take away fear and anxiety and any feelings of isolation from people receiving treatment or under quarantine. Give them a sense of purpose in pursuing health and protecting others from the exposure of this disease. And dear Lord, we lift up our concern for people who are more likely than others to become severely ill from this virus. The elderly and people with chronic health conditions protect them from harm. Be their comfort in this time of uncertainty. And Father, we seek your wisdom daily. Be with the people who are making decisions that will affect the lives and futures of our families, communities, countries, and the wider world. And Father, we're told in your word to pray for our leaders. And so God, we want to pray for President Trump. God, we want to pray for Governor Bill Lee. We pray for Mayor Cordell and Mayor Norman right now, Lord. Give them wisdom and discernment. Finally, Lord, you say in your word that you have delivered us from such deadly peril and you will deliver us again. Jesus, we have set our hope on you. Continue to deliver us and help us as we bring our prayers to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Will you stand up, stand up and sing with us this morning? We're singing to our Savior, Jesus. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born of our salvation. Jesus, Jesus. There is a light that overwhelms the darkness. There is a kingdom that forever reigns. 
There is freedom from the chains that bind us. Jesus, Jesus, who walks Presence. I couldn't run, 
church. Jesus, only Jesus. Oh, Lord, we come before you this morning lifting your name in praise. You are worthy of our praise. So, Lord, we pray that you will be honored. Pray that our hearts will be steered towards you. Our, our thoughts and focus will be completely on you and you and what you want to do in our lives and in our church and in our community. Lord, I pray for Dr. Cox this morning as he comes and brings the message. Open our hearts, open our minds to hear what you would speak to us today, that we would leave this place in a different way than we came, that we will be different people because we have experienced God today. It's to that end we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. Glad that you're here. These are different times that we're living in, aren't they? Uh, Unlike what most of us have experienced in our lives before with uh, the coronavirus and concern about that in our uh, country and in our world. And I appreciate Jake uh, following the uh, lead of our leaders who have asked us to make this a day of prayer our world and our country in regard to the coronavirus and let us continue to do that and uh, I'm glad you're here today I this is a good crowd I thought maybe I'd just preach to Tim a little bit and preach to Jake and that was it but I'm so glad you're here good crowd glad you're here want to tell you just uh, some of the things that we are practicing in our church to try to be uh, respectful of neighbors and to make sure that we do all that we can to cooperate Uh, with this concern about the spread of virus. So uh, you may have noticed when you come in, we've asked our greeters to open the doors so that you don't have to open a door handle. Uh, They're not handing out bulletins as we usually do. They're there available. You can self-serve and pick up a worship folder if you wish to. And um, we installed hand sanitizer stations at all of our entrances. You'll see them, you'll look for them in the foyers here and downstairs. They're on the wall, hand sanitizer stations. And uh, we're not doing a greeting time. We don't always do that anyway during cold and flu season. But we are suspending our shaking of hands, encouraging folks not to shake hands. So because of that, we want to be try to be extra friendly uh, to folks. So speak a verbal greeting uh, to one another, and uh, let's greet one another. And then uh, we're not going to pass our offering plate. You know, Baptists are really uh, in a state of change if we don't pass an offering plate. But we do intend to to receive your tithes and offerings, uh, but just to minimize that social contact, uh, there'll be ushers at the door, two at each door with an offering plate. And so what we're going to ask, if you would, um, place your offering there as you leave. Uh, So this is our regular tithes and offerings that will be at the door there, and uh, we depend upon that. We thank you so much for your uh, giving, and so... uh, you can give at the offering there. Of course, you can put it in a deposit box. Or if you're not here, we have online giving. And um, you can give on your phone on our church app or on our website online. And we appreciate your faithfulness week by week uh, in that giving. We have also uh, contacted, the city has contacted our senior adult connection group leaders, those who are most vulnerable, and uh, they've given them the option not to meet. And uh, some of them have chosen today not to meet. And so if you're in one of those groups or if your group's not meeting, if you go to the Welcome Center, there are plenty of groups and, uh, and somebody can help you find uh, a place there. Uh, but some of those older groups are not meeting and we understand that. Uh, we want to be concerned, as the Bible teaches us, to be concerned about the vulnerable and the weak. We want to be concerned for them. So uh, this service, uh, if you are uh, ever not here, is uh, available online, live on Facebook. So we have folks I know uh, who are home right now watching us. Glad you're with us. Thank you for joining. Wave back at your phone or your computer screen, if you will. I can't see that. I don't know what you're doing. But anyway, uh, we're glad that you're here. Maybe some folks from other churches. Many churches have have canceled services. And so uh, we're glad to have folks from other congregations who are watching us online, live, and worshiping with us there uh, at home or wherever you are. And um, so thank you for doing that. So our intention is uh, that we're going to meet. 
I'm going to be here at 8.30, or a pastor will be here as long as we're able to do the online, and so we're going to be here, you, and we're going to have our services, and, uh, and we can't foresee the future. We don't know what the future would be, but our plan is to, to be here as normal, and so we invite you, if you want to, to come, and if you don't want to come, we hope that you'll worship with us online, and whichever, we hope you'll continue to give your, your tithes and offerings online, or mail them in, or whatever, because we depend upon that. Now, this is an opportunity for us to be followers of Jesus Christ. I've heard that the Chinese character for crisis is the combination of two characters, opportunity and danger. I don't know that because I don't read or speak Chinese, but I know that crisis does contain both danger and opportunity. So this is an opportunity for us to live out our Christian faith. This is going to be a test of our faith. Are we going to panic? Or are we going to put our faith in Christ? Are we going to be witnesses in this time? You see, first of all, uh, maybe, you, uh, maybe you've been reluctant to talk about Christ. Well, now Christ has given us the opportunity. Everybody in the world is thinking about death and sickness and our mortality. If we can't speak about Jesus in this time, there aren't going to be many better opportunities than there are now when people are dealing with life issues. This is an opportunity for us to speak about Jesus. This is an opportunity for us to get into the Word and to pray, make ourselves people of prayer. Because we don't have anything else to do. Disneyland is closed, you know. There's not going to be a Masters. We can't watch March Madness. I'm a sports guy. There is nothing to watch on sports. So you've been saying, you know, I know I ought to pray. I know I ought to read my Bible. But man, I, my life's just so busy. God's taking care of that for you right now, okay? So here's your opportunity to say, you know, I'm out of excuses. Am, am I a person who's going to spend time in the Word or, or, or not? Am I a person of prayer or not? Here's your opportunity. And here's an opportunity, folks, for us to live out our Christian faith of sharing. They asked John the Baptist, what should we do to repent? He said, man, who has two cloaks, give one to one that doesn't have one. Well, see, what the world is doing right now is hoarding. The world is panicking. And they're hoarding everything. Tim Fox is one of our deacons. He's a, a manager at Walmart. He texted me last night said, I'll be praying for you today. He said, I won't be able to be there. The shoppers are crazy. I've got to work today. And I said, thank I texted him back, thank you for your prayers. And I just, to be funny, I said, don't get run over in the toilet paper aisle at Walmart. And he texted back. He said, uh, we just got in eight pallets of toilet paper. Uh, one hour ago and they're gone right now so the world is gonna hoard they're gonna panic here's your opportunity to be you're gonna be like Christ and here's what we need to do you call your neighbor up and said hey I got two rolls of toilet paper do you need any I want to share with you I never thought toilet paper would be the way that we express the gospel of Jesus Christ but that may be what it is in our in our day-to-day -day. and so I got bottled water I, I got I got two bottles you need one why don't, you, why don't you offer to share? It'll blow people's minds. Why don't you be like Jesus? Here's our opportunity to see if we're going to be the church, the people of God in times of crisis. In times of crisis is when Christianity has flourished. The enemy of Christianity has been prosperity. So God has given us the opportunity now to see if we will be the people of God. Let's do that. Today I want to talk to you about great faith. What's it going to be like to have great faith in these times? Well, I'm sharing about the miracles of Jesus, and so today um, I'm sharing, as we're doing this month, about Jesus casting out demons. And today's story in Matthew 15 is about a woman who has a little daughter who is demon-possessed. And she asks Jesus for help, and Jesus responds and grants her help, and I'm going to read to you the end of the story. I'm sort of going to spoil it. To I want you to see where it's going, and then we're going to back up and see how we get there, okay? So I'm going to read you the last verse first in our story. The last verse is Matthew 15, 28, and it says, Jesus said to her, that is this woman who had, brought, uh, who had asked him to, to deliver her daughter, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and her daughter was healed at that moment. She had great faith, and she received a miracle from Jesus. 
So I want to talk today about the role of faith in miracles. Now we've seen before that uh, Jesus can do a miracle where there's no faith. He healed a man's ear when there's no faith. He, he, can, he can heal without faith. He can do miracles when there is no faith. He can do miracles when there's a little faith. He said if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. Faith is not the only element in receiving the work of God or a miracle of God. We don't want to ever say to somebody, you didn't have enough faith, that's why God didn't deliver your little girl or whatever. But faith is important. It is a key in what God wants to do in our lives. And this woman is commended because she has great faith. So I want to ask myself the question in this time of crisis that we're facing, do I have great faith? What would it mean for me to have great faith? How do I get to great faith? So now we want to back up in this story, and I want to share with you four characteristics of great faith, okay? And I want you to ask yourself the question, as we face these times in our life, am I a person of great faith? And if not, how do I move toward being a person of great faith? The first thing that we learn from this story, the first characteristic of great faith, is that great faith comes from unlikely sources, okay? Great faith comes from unlikely sources. Matthew 15, 21, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, 50 miles or so from Galilee on the coast of the Mediterranean in what is today modern-day Lebanon, up north of Israel. Jesus takes a vacation, takes a retreat, gets away with his disciples to pray. He goes to Gentile territory. Mark's gospel says he went into a house and didn't want anyone to know he was in the house. He was trying to be away. But, verse 22, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Notice that she is a Canaanite woman. If you know your Bible, you know that in the Old Testament, God gave to Israel the land of the Canaanites because of the great sin of the Canaanites, and he told them to drive them out, and the Canaanites fought against them. This is the ancient enemy of Israel. This is... Of people who were against, who are opposed to the community of faith. And it is from this Canaanite woman that Jesus says she has great faith. In fact, there are only two times in the Gospels when Jesus says that someone has great faith. You know what they are? In Matthew 8, the Roman centurion who said, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house, you just give the word, my son will be healed. And Jesus said, I have not seen that great faith in all of Israel. And here, this woman. So the two people who are committed for having great faith are both outsiders. They're both Gentiles. They're not from the people of Israel. The people that we would expect to have great faith would be the Pharisees, who have the law. It would be the, the disciples, who are Jews. And yet, let's back up for a moment in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, and read what he said to the disciples. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? So the disciples, whom we thought might be the best candidates to have great faith, had little faith. And here's a Canaanite woman you wouldn't expect to have any faith. And he says, you have great faith. Great faith can come from unlikely sources. You know where there ought to be the most faith in the world today? It ought to be Western Europe and North America. We have the heritage. We have had the Bible forever. We've had great churches. We have all of these schools and seminaries and we've been raised and steeped in Christian culture there, great faith ought to be coming you know where great faith is primarily coming from Africa and Asia today the churches in Africa and Asia are the churches that in spite of great persecution are standing firm on the word of God and it ought to be from us and it, are we people of little faith great faith can come from unlikely sources I went to my 10 year high school reunion you ever done that I didn't go to, to them after that, I have to tell you. Uh, but I went to my 10-year high school reunion, and I'd become a pastor. And uh, so, you know, they asked me, hey, what are you doing now? And I said, I'm, I'm a pastor. And, you know, uh, I, can, I can fairly accurately gauge where people are by how they respond when I say that. They'll say, oh, or oh. You know, you know, oh, oh. You know, so I would, so I grew up as a church kid, high school. I was like some of you guys, you teenagers. I was in church every Sunday. My parents took me to church. I was a church kid. And so I would meet church kids that I'd gone to church with when I was in high school 10 years ago. And what I, I was just so disappointed to see that I'd say, they'd say, hey, what are you doing? I'm a pastor. Oh. And then they'd change the subject. And I'd ask them, and they weren't in church anymore. And it broke my heart. But you know what happened? I met two guys, one of them who was a thug in high school and he got in fights all the time. 
you know what happened? He got in trouble with the law. You know, he'd come to faith in Jesus Christ. There was a radiance about him. He was a different person. And I said, I'm a pastor. Oh, and he starts telling me all about his faith and how he came to faith. And I met this other guy who drank all the time in high school. And he'd become an alcoholic in those 10 years. And he'd gotten radically saved. And he'd come to faith in Christ. And, man, he was just glowing about Christ. And I thought, oh, this shouldn't be like that. But great faith can come from unlikely sources. So what I'm saying to you is, you may have been, I'm not a church, but I never grew up in church. You say, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not. It doesn't matter. You can be, have great faith. You can be a person of great faith. Don't think that you're an unlikely candidate because the most unlikely candidates are the people in the gospel who have great faith. Let us be people of great faith in Christ, not satisfied in our prosperity and, and who we are that we become dull to our needs. Now let me share with you a second characteristic. Great faith comes from a sense of desperation. It comes from a sense of desperation. It says in verse 22 that this woman said, My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Or it literally, literally says, badly demon-possessed. No other place in Scripture is there an adverb before the phrase demon-possessed. She was badly or severely demon-possessed. I don't know what that means. There was another child in Scripture that the demon within him kept throwing him into the fire. They'd have a fire for cooking and warming. And whenever this child would get near the fire, he'd throw him in. Did something like that happen? That she's suffering terribly? I don't know what the symptoms or the conditions, but this woman's desperate. And out of her desperation comes great faith. Great faith usually does not come from complacency. It comes from a sense of desperation. There's greater rate of conversion in prisons than out of prison. Now, I know some of you discount that. Say, oh, they just got jailhouse religion. But some people genuinely saved in prison at a greater rate than out. You know, why would that be? Well, they, they know they're desperate, right? Greater, greater percentage of conversions in war than in peacetime. Because when you are in war, you get desperate. So, folks, what we need to do, we're just as desperate. We just don't recognize it. We sing a song that Todd sometimes, I'm desperate for you, but are we really? Are we really desperate for him? Maybe God puts us in a place where we'll be desperate for him because great faith comes out of that. Or maybe we could just recognize that even though we're not in prison or not in war, we've really been desperate all along. We need God. And if we would turn to him and seek him, we could find him. And out of her desperation, she finds that help share with you a third characteristic of great faith. Great faith is not easily discouraged. It is persistent. Great faith is tenacious, persistent. It is not easily discouraged. So in verse 22, the tense in Greek is a, a continuous tense. She kept crying out. She just kept on. Just wherever they went, she kept following them. And it says, verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. You ever had a time you prayed and it seemed like Jesus didn't answer a word? Well, he didn't answer a word to her cries. And so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. Lord, she's bothering us. Why don't you just grant her request so we can get rid of her because we're just tired of hearing this all the time. And he answered, verse 24, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus said, this is not my core mission. I'm here to get away. I've got to focus on the Father's will of, of uh, Israel. There'll come a time, the Bible says, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Romans 1 says, there's a great commission where he sent them into all the world, but even when he sent them out earlier, he had said to his disciples, do not go to the Samaria or to the Gentiles, but only to the lost sheep of Israel. He's saying, that's my focus, that's my mission. But the woman, verse 25, came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. Do you hear her persistence? Man, she's, she's not giving up, is she? Great faith is persistent. You had times in your life when you just didn't get an answer from God? You had times when you kept praying? I had a guy say to me one time, he said, I don't think you ought to pray for something more than once. That's a lack of faith. You tell God what you need, and you've told him, and it'd be a lack of faith to keep praying. 
that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says just the opposite. It says great faith is persistent. It doesn't give up until you come to the prayer request that you're praying that you know it's not God's will. Then you may, you may quit when you come to determine, I've been praying something that's not going to be God's will. But when you're praying for kingdom purposes, for you're praying for people to be saved, you're praying for, for, for spiritual needs, don't ever give up. Maybe the timing has not been right. Maybe there's spiritual opposition. We don't know what's going on. But here's the model. This Canaanite woman who's committed for great faith, she was persistent. You determine all your life you're going to pray for those lost friends or relatives. Until you die or they die, you keep praying for them. Be persistent. Great faith does not give up. I'll share with you one more characteristic of great faith. Great faith is not easily offended. It is humble. Not easily offended. It's humble. Verse 26, Jesus said, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So he's saying, he's comparing the Jews to children and Gentiles to dogs. That sounds a little rude. It's at least politically incorrect, right? In our day, this woman would have uh, gotten on Twitter and expressed her outrage. She would have got a lawyer and sued him for hate speech and gone on CNN to tell everybody about it, right? That's what we do. That's how we respond. We're very easily offended. But great faith is not easily offended by God. Now, Jesus may have been doing this to examine her faith, to test her faith, to see where she was, to see what her kind of response would be. And here's how she responds, verse 27. Yes, it is, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She's humble enough that she doesn't argue with his, with his sense of mission or his identification. She embraces her identification. Yes, I'm just a dog, Lord. But you know, when stuff falls off the table, you let the dogs eat the crumbs. All I need is just a crumb from you, Lord. Wow! That great faith that's not easily offended. Twice in the chapters before, the Jews have been offended by Jesus. Let me show you this. Matthew 13, 57. It says, And they took offense at him because of his background. And Jesus said, A prophet's not without honor except in his own town, his own house. They took offense at him. You hear that? All right, let's go to chapter 15, the same chapter we're in. Chapter 15, verse 12, just above it. The disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? So they're offended by Jesus. But this woman, she's too desperate to be offended by Jesus. You, you know, I've, I've, uh, in this day of uh, outrage and offense, I hear people say that I could... I could never worship a God who'd let kids get killed in a tornado. I don't believe a God who'd send people to hell. If God acts like this, then, then uh, I couldn't be a Christian because of those kind of things. We're offended by God. There'll be times when you don't understand what God is doing. If I were in this situation, I would not have understood what was going on when Jesus said, yeah, uh, you feed the kids, you don't feed the dogs. And there'll be times you don't understand what God's doing in your life. And the question is, are you going to say, are you going to be offended by his silence? Offended by what you don't understand? Are you going to humble yourself? Because great faith's not easily offended. Let me read to you what Jesus said in Luke 7, 23. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Or the King James Version says, blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. Jesus readily is saying, my ways are different than your ways, and you're not going to understand all that I do and all of when I act and when I don't act. And there are going to be times when you just say, I just can't understand what God is doing. And you're going to either exalt yourself and say, I wouldn't be like that if I were God. I can't worship a God like that. Or you're going to humble yourself and say, I don't know what God's doing. I don't understand what's going on in my world, in my life, but he's God, and I humble myself and put my faith in him. Great faith comes from unlikely sources. Comes out of a sense of desperation. It's persistent. 
and is humble. Oh God, help us in these days to cultivate a growing faith that you might say of us. These are people in desperate times who have great faith. I'm going to close by telling you a miracle story. You want to hear a miracle story? We've been doing these miracles all this time. And the point that I've tried to share with you is that God is sovereign and he can, when he wants to, do a miracle. And the reason he does miracles is that we might put our faith in him. So I want to tell you a story about that. It's a story of uh, the sister of one of our deacons, Dr. Jeremy Anderson. He's going to tell it live in the next service, but uh, he's teaching a connection group now. So you're going to have to have, you're going to have, to have me tell it to you in this service, okay? So Jeremy Anderson has a sister who lives near Norman, Oklahoma. Her name is uh, Samantha Schaefer. And uh, a few months ago, she was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer. Went to the University of Oklahoma, and they told her it was incurable. She went, decided to go to MD Anderson in Houston. At MD Anderson, they did tests and discovered that her breast cancer had spread to her liver, to her lungs, and to her bones. She um, began to take chemotherapy. They prescribed six chemotherapy treatments, three weeks apart, over 18 weeks. But people prayed for her. In her church in Oklahoma, people prayed for her. And Dr. Anderson shared that prayer request in our deacons meeting and in our prayer meetings. And many of you prayed for her. And some of us just felt a real burden to pray for this 39-year-old mother of four children, all four children under age 13. Oh, God, would you show mercy to this woman? And other churches uh, where they had connections in South Carolina and a, a missionary in Guatemala and other places prayed for her. Halfway through her treatment, after three treatments, nine weeks, halfway through they did a PET scan to see if it had affected, had shrunk any of the cancer. And they found that her cancer was gone. Not in her liver not in her lungs, not in her breast. The bones they don't have a test for, but I do not think it's there. They tried to decide, well, do we continue the chemotherapy just in case? They did other tests, and they, they came to say, well, no, you don't have cancer, so we're not going to do that. She went on maintenance medication that she probably take the rest of her life. But God healed her. That's amazing. And that's the kind of God that we serve. And we give glory to God today that he's a God who does miracles. But the story doesn't stop there. So Jeremy's mother had a friend and co-worker she'd known for 15 years, worked at the bank. And she told her the story of her daughter and how she'd had stage 4 cancer, proclaimed incurable, spread to all parts of her body, and now the doctors could not find it anywhere. And this co-worker for whom her mom had been praying for many years said, I wish I could have faith like that. And she said, you can. You can. They went out to lunch at a Mexican restaurant. And she shared the plan of salvation with his friend. And, and she said, uh, I, I just don't know. I, I, I just need to think about it. Jeremy's mom said, no, there's no time like now. What's your decision? And she said, we pushed the chips and salsa aside and joined hands, and she prayed to receive Christ as her Savior. That's why God does miracles. These things are signs that are recorded here that you might believe that he's the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you would have life in his name. And that's the action of God. And it is by faith that you're saved, and he does this that you might become a person of faith. No matter how unlikely that may seem to you, there's a God reaching to you and a God revealing himself to you through miracle stories here and modern miracles that you might have faith because believing in him, you have life in his name. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you are a good God. We do not understand all your ways, but we're grateful that you, in your sovereignty, show mercy 
and we're grateful for that. Oh, Lord, I pray that in these times of desperation that our faith might grow. I pray that we will not be people of little faith like the disciples. I pray we will be people of great faith like the Canaanite woman. And I pray, Lord, if we're not there yet, that you will work in us through the persistence of prayer, through desperate times, through the exercise of our little faith, that it might be bulked up into great faith. And I pray, Lord, for those people who might be here today or who might be listening to this at home who have not yet put their faith in Jesus. And I pray right now they would say, Jesus, I don't understand. I've been offended at you sometimes, but I humble myself before you. And I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died and rose again. And I put my faith in you and ask you to forgive my sin and come into my life. I'll be baptized as these were today, and I'll seek to follow you as Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray this prayer. Amen. Would you stand with me in a time of invitation? If today you want to receive Christ as your Savior, if you'll put your faith in Him, would you walk forward and meet me here, another pastor here? If you want to join our church, we invite you to come. If you have something you want to pray about, somebody would be glad to pray with you. We sing. I invite you to follow God in your life. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. Is this your prayer? Desperate for you, and I am lost without you. I'm lost without you. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my name. This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me, and I am lost. Desperate for you, desperate for you, Lord, and I, I, I'm lost without you.
seated again, if you will. Remember that we're going to uh, receive the offering as the doors as you go out. Let me share just a word with you. We have our new member uh, training class going on, new member orientation. And uh, on one of the weeks, we give an opportunity for folks to join our church. And we did that last Wednesday. Had seven people join our church. Some of them are here in this service. I want to introduce uh, to you. Um, I believe Greg and Kim Frazier are here. Would you just stand where you are? And they come to join our church uh, by a statement of their faith and baptism. We're so glad you're here. Welcome. Glad you're part of our church family. You can be seated. And also Cheryl Moore. I think Cheryl's over here. Cheryl comes to join our church uh, uh, by statement of her faith and previous baptism as well. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. I hope if you're around them, introduce yourself to them. Invite them to your connection group. We uh, welcome them into our church family. We're going to watch a brief video on our North American missions offering that we're receiving now, and then Tim will come to close us after that. I'm from Venezuela, being from the north of South America. I was like, okay, now I'm thinking to move into the north of the north. And well, my wife and I started to pray about it. We thought Canada was going to be a place for us to continue doing ministry. When I first came to Toronto, there were only two Southern Baptist Hispanic churches in whole Ontario. At the east of the city, there was no Hispanic church, not at all. And that's how we decided to start a, a Hispanic church because someone needed to look for these people. They have left behind family, friends. They left behind everything just to come here to work. There's a mushroom farm here that they work the full year we have been coming to this farm, building relationships, studying the Bible, sharing the gospel ever since day one. And we invited them all here. And when we did, we saw God do amazing things. In our church, we have people all the way from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Venezuela, Colombia, Bolivia, Chile, Peru. And we are already sending believers to start a new church. I knew this was going to happen eventually, but I never thought it was gonna be this fast. God has called us to do his job and we are not doing this by ourselves. It's because you give that we are here to see people having a relation with God, to see people getting baptized. That's amazing. That's, that's a feeling that I'm not gonna describe it even. It's, it's the best. Just remember, as we close here, that we're in a season of prayer, uh, as you just saw, for North American missions through, and we have an opportunity to give for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And so uh, we're about $5,000 short of our goal for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We want to continue to give toward that and support missions uh, here in North America. A couple of other important things here in your worship guide are CDP classes, uh, tonight activities. We've got men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, student discipleship. Those will so continue and go on. And just as a reminder, last week you were given a blue sheet there in your worship guide as a chance to show maybe how you want to serve uh, throughout the church. And so if you know, they're, they're not in your worship guide this week, but they're still located there at the black boxes there at the welcome desk and back here in the hallway. And so if, if you brought yours, please return that. If you need a sheet, there are these blue sheets located there at the box that you can sign up and, and uh, sign up to serve somehow in the church. And so... We need all hands on deck. It's a it's a big church, and there's a lot of ways that you can serve. And so, uh, jump on and jump on board and and serve the Lord and <clears throat> help us fulfill the Great Commission. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, just for this example of faith. It's challenging um, to live every day with great faith and just to um, to live in such a way to point others to you. What a privilege that is to do, Father. And we thank you for the story of of. Sam and, and then Jeremy's mother and just the way you're working in their lives. God, it's been such a blessing to be able to pray for her and, and to hear of your miraculous work. Lord, we just want to thank you for these, these three that have joined arms with us and, and want to help uh, serve the, fulfill the Great Commission and serve here in this church. Father, worship you as part of our family. And so we just say thank you for that. God, as we go this week, help us to be a voice of reason and just a voice of faith to people around us. 
this week. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.